0: Jesus seeks and saves sinners. Good Christine and I were new members here at WSBC, and we actually uh, came with a group of other uh, new members um, from RCBC, the, the, which was originally the WSBC plant. Um, so, and I actually wanted to start out talking about uh, two of the other members actually, three well, two and their, and their child who came to WSBC. I don't know if any of you guys have met uh, Adam and Fiona Lenz. Anybody met those guys? Yeah, some hands. Cool. Well, um, so if you met them, if you know them, you know a, a few weeks ago, Fiona had to go back to her home country, uh, to Kenya, because her grandmother passed away. And so, um, and so her having to go back to Kenya meant that Adam, uh, a new dad, had to watch his three-month-year-old uh, child, James, all by himself. Um, for the plan was I think I don't know it was probably like 9 days or something like that and so a big challenge for a new father um and so towards the end of his uh the, of Fiona's trip Adam had to go back to work and so our family had the joy and the opportunity to watch their baby James for a whole day and um so you couldn't imagine how excited we were to have James come and stay with us. Uh, I mean, for one, Fiona is an excellent cook. If you know her, she's a great cook. Um, she's, she's made us a delicious meal once. She's also a writer. And uh, Adam is a great conversationalist. He's a great soccer player. And so, um, and so we were so excited about having their son we assumed was so talented, and all of these things come and hang out with us for that day, but unfortunately, as it turned out, James did none of that. We could, we could not have been more disappointed with adam and fiona 's offspring. Had we known the reality i don 't know if we would have signed up to watch the kid in the end Jamesy, they wanted to be just wanted to be held, or just wanted to be fed, or he wanted to be left alone to sleep. Now, wasn't that ridiculous? What was wrong with James? Nothing was wrong with James. The problem was with our mistaken expectations of James. We were expecting James to be something that a three-month-year-old, he was, as a three-month-year-old, he was never meant to be. And while that's a a super silly example, it illustrates a reality that's quite serious. We were expecting James to be something different than he was, but who here this morning has been expecting Jesus to be something different than what he claims to be? How have you been disappointed with Jesus lately? Have you been disappointed with because Jesus doesn't seem to be helping you at your job? Have you been disappointed because Jesus hasn't healed your body yet? Have you been frustrated with Jesus because he hasn't given you the thing that you've been asking him for? Well, this morning God is giving us an opportunity to step back and to reconsider our expectations for Jesus. What did Jesus even come for? What is Jesus actually doing, and what is Jesus' purpose? Well, if you've been here for the last several years at WSBC, you know that we've been studying slowly through the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and today we've made it to chapter 19, and we're going to be looking at the story of a man named Zacchaeus. Luke recorded this story in the gospel to express one main concept, and that is Jesus seeks and saves sinners. That's the main point of this text. So I'm going to say it one more time. Jesus seeks and saves sinners. We're going to study Zacchaeus' story today by looking at it in four parts, and I'm going to give them to you, each each part by itself. Part one in verses one to two, we're going to see a king and a traitor. Part one is a king and a traitor. Part 2, in verses 3 and 4, we're going to be asking the question, Who is this king? Who is this king? In part 3, in verse 5, we're going to see the king seek the traitor. And in part 4, verses 7 to 10, we're going to see the king save the traitor. So, before we begin, will you please uh, bow with me in prayer? Ask God to illumine our hearts to His Word. Let's pray. Father, you are God. We are not. You created us to learn wisdom and to depend on you for wisdom. Without your light, we are lost in the confusion of this world. We're lost in the darkness of our sin, and we're lost in the deceit of Satan. Open our eyes with your word this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now please listen as I read to us from from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham." For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Verses 1 and 2 show us a king and a traitor. Who is the king? The king is Jesus, of course. We know this from the passage right before our passage today. Back in chapter 18, a few weeks ago, Phil Lee preached to us that text last month, when Jesus healed a blind man. And what was the blind man calling Jesus? If you remember, the blind man was calling Jesus the son of David. What does the title son of David mean? Well, to understand this, we need to know a little bit about the history of Israel. The Bible contains a lot, many different kinds of literature. One of the things that God gives us in his Bible is the history of Israel. So if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that Israel's greatest king was who? It was King David. And when King David was still alive, God made King David a promise. He promised David. He said, it was an incredible promise. He said, David, you will always have an heir on the throne in Israel, and your offspring will rule in Jerusalem for eternity. But in Jesus' day, it had already been hundreds of years since an heir of David had been on the throne of Israel. The Roman Empire had invaded and occupied Israel. And the people of Israel did not want to be under the rule of a foreign government. They longed for the return of the glory days of King David. They longed for the fulfillment of that promise that the son of David would return to his throne. So they're all waiting for the son of David to return to the capital, Jerusalem, to restore his throne. And so who is the king? Who is the son of David? It is Jesus. The beginning of the book of Luke reminds us of the genealogy of Jesus, that Jesus comes from the line of David, from the line of Judah. And throughout his ministry up to this point, Jesus has proven that he's the Savior sent by God through all of his miracles. He's showing that God has sent him. And so Jesus is the king, the long awaited offspring of David, and he's almost arrived in Jerusalem. Jericho is the last city that he must pass through before he gets to Jerusalem. Be like Suzhou and then Shanghai. And right as King Jesus is passing through Jericho, behold, a traitor. Who is this traitor? His name is Zacchaeus. Why is Zacchaeus a traitor? What makes him a traitor? Well, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Like I said, in Jesus' time, the Roman Empire was ruling over Israel, and the Israelites hated this occupation. The tax collectors were Israelites, but they worked for the enemy occupiers, they worked for the invaders. They became rich by transferring the wealth of their own people into the pockets of these Roman invaders. Um, this concept for Americans is harder for us to understand how, how bad this traitor kind of person is. Uh, but if you live in a country that has experienced occupation, like countries in World War II, like China, China feels strongly about about people who help invaders have you have a word for it called hanjian right um we feel strongly you feel strongly about that and also in france the germans occupied france and one time i was hanging out with some french friends and for some reason i i used the word collaborator which i never used that word but i used the word collaborator and they said "Ooh, don't ever Somebody a collaborator because that's what the people in, in uh, that's those are the people that helped the Germans when they they occupied France. And so Zacchaeus here is a collaborator, he's a traitor, he's a tax collector for the Romans. They were not only they were not only sinning against the, their own people, but they were sinning against God, they were enemies of God, taking money from God's people and giving it to God's enemies. The worst kind of sinner is the kind that disregards their fellow humans, the kind that makes money off of the suffering of other people. I had a friend once who worked with women in the red light districts. She would share the gospel in the red light districts of Shanghai, and um, she would try to help some of the women to to leave prostitution. And I remember at some point, she was just ready to quit and to, she couldn't stand it anymore. She said, "I can no longer face the evil of these men and women who would force other people, force other women into prostitution. So I can't I can't stand that evil. I can't look at it another day." And that's the kind of sinner and the traitor that Zacchaeus was. He was profiting on the slavery of his own people, God's people. So, what do you think is going to happen when God's chosen king meets this traitor, this Han Jian, this collaborator? Before we can answer that question, we need to answer an equally important question. And that is can you relate with Zacchaeus? Do you ever sin? Do you ever have times when you know that God probably doesn't approve of what you're doing, but you go through it anyway? How often do you realize that a certain thing you are doing, it's harmful to the people around you, but you're just going to keep doing it anyways? See, the reality of this universe is is that it's not just a universe, it's a kingdom. You and I live before the eyes of God the Creator, the King, the Lord, and when You disobey God. You're not just sinning. You're rebelling against the sovereign creator. You have become a traitor like Zacchaeus. And the Bible says this clearly. It says, God says in Romans 3.10, he says, no one is righteous. No, not one. And in fact, again, in the chapter before chapter 19, Jesus told a parable and in that parable, he expresses the truth that everyone is a sinner needing God's forgiveness. And so Jesus tells this parable about a tax collector and a Pharisee. Pharisees are religious leaders in Israel at the time. So listen to Jesus' parable. He says, it says in uh, chapter eight, Luke chapter 18, verse 9, it says, Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. If you can't relate with Zacchaeus as a sinner, then you aren't going to see your need for a Savior. If you can't see your sin, then that's a serious problem. If you can't see your sin, it doesn't mean that you don't have sin. It just means that you're too blinded by your pride to see it. And being human, this happens to all of us. If you feel like this describes your current situation, that you can't see your sin, then I encourage you to ask a friend this week, ask a friend to pray for you that God will open your eyes to your sin. Whether you can or whether you can't relate with Zacchaeus, you have to be curious as to what's going to happen when God's chosen king meets this traitor. Or to put it another way, what does Jesus do with traitors like you and me? That brings us to our next part of this text, where we ask, who is this king? So what does Jesus do with traitors like you and me? This is what the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus, wanted to know. In verse 3, it says, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus wants to see who Jesus is. What makes Zacchaeus so curious about Jesus? Should Zacchaeus not rather just stay away? That's what the people think. Wouldn't it be better better if Zacchaeus kept a, a good distance from this king? Well, Zacchaeus might have caught wind of some interesting things about Jesus. He might have heard some things. He was a tax collector who knew other tax collectors, and so perhaps from his underlings, he heard about how Jesus actually had gone to the houses of some other tax collectors and, and, and shared meals with them. Or Zacchaeus might have heard that Jesus actually chose a tax collector and called that tax collector to come away from that and to be one of his 12 disciples, one of his 12 main students. Matthew, the tax collector. Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, was also a tax collector. Zacchaeus might have heard about that. Zacchaeus also might have heard people accuse Jesus of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus said people were calling him that. And so we don't know what Zacchaeus heard, but all we do know is that Zacchaeus asked the golden question, who is Jesus? Have you ever asked this question? Have you asked the question recently? I was thinking about that as I was preparing. I was like, have I asked who is Jesus recently? Always learn something more about who Jesus is. Kids in the room. Have you ever asked, kids, kids, hello, hello? Kids, have you ever asked who is Jesus? It's, there's not a more important question in your whole life that you could ask besides that one. Who is Jesus? And obviously, it would be great to ask your parents or ask your pastor, Who is Jesus? Go around asking everybody, Who is Jesus? But I dare you also to ask God. This week, I dare you to ask God, Who is Jesus? Please show me who Jesus is. God, who is Jesus? Please show me. Jack, I want you to ask God that. Jack back there? There he Not yet. We'll find him and tell him. All right. Now watch how how Zacchaeus seeks Jesus. He wants to know who Jesus is. Let's look at how Zacchaeus seeks Jesus out because it's important. First of all, why is it that Zacchaeus can't see Jesus? It's because he's short. I don't know how short, but he was short. Um, and then what does he do? What does Zacchaeus do? He runs. This rich chief of tax collectors, man of authority, he runs up ahead of the crowd. And then to see Jesus, he climbs the tree. So what other kind of person is short? Don't answer this because it might be funny, but don't, what other kind of person is short, runs? and climbs trees? The obvious answer is children. Children are short. They run and they climb trees. Zacchaeus didn't have to do it that way. He was a man of means and power. He was a man of guanxi. It's not unrealistic that he could have figured out a more respectful way to get an audience with Jesus. For example, King Herod, another rich man, we'll read read about later in the Gospel of Luke, King Herod, he also wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to watch Jesus do some signs. But King Herod doesn't run ahead and climb up a tree. No, Herod waits until Jesus is arrested. And then the governor, Pilate, sends Jesus to Herod in chains. And so Herod is able to hold on to his pride and his honor, and he's also able to see Jesus. But not so for the rich tax collector, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus knows that as a tax collector, no matter what kind of money or guanxi he uses, he's not going to impress Jesus. So far this morning, I addressed those among us who have a hard time relating to Zacchaeus. But some of you here today might find it very easy to relate to Zacchaeus. You have struggled with sin and with wickedness for a long time. You have given up a long time ago on pleasing other people, and you've also given up on trying to please God. What's the point of trying? You said, I'm broken. For well, today, you need to hear that Jesus sorry, is seeking people just like you. You need to hear that Jesus actually sees all people as sinners just like you. And you need to know that Jesus can even save you from your sin. And here's how. How can Jesus save you from your sin? 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born a man in Israel. He lived a perfect life, and he died. He lived the life that that none of us could live, and then he died. He laid down his life on a cross for sinful you and for sinful me. And after three days in the grave, he rose from the grave. Now, how does that save a sinner, you ask? Well, when Jesus did this, he became a substitute for sinners. He became your substitute sacrifice. God, instead of condemning you and punishing you for your sins, he poured out the wrath that you deserved completely onto Jesus when Jesus was on the cross. So if you accept Jesus by faith, then your sins are all dealt with. In God's eyes, your sinful record is wiped completely clean. All your past, present, and future sins are forgiven by God. And God calls you righteous. So what does it mean when God forgives all of your sins and he calls you righteous? You who have believed in Christ, you who have accepted his sacrifice. What does it mean? It means that God is now for you. God with all of his resources is now going to help you in your battle against your own sin and evil. God is going to treat you like his own son or daughter. And God is such a good father. So back to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus knows that as a sinner, no matter what kind of money or guanxi he uses, he's not going to impress Jesus. So he runs towards Jesus like a child. This morning we sang the song, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy. The words of the last line are the perfect description of Zacchaeus and the perfect description of us. The last line of that song we sang, it says, Let not conscience make you linger. Don't let your conscience make you wait. Not of fitness fondly dream. So don't dream of becoming better before you come to Jesus. All the fitness he requires is to you, wait, all, all the fitness he requires is for you to fill your need of him. And then it says, I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. In the arms of my dear Savior, oh, there are 10,000 charms. I remember one time I was in high school and I uh, the play, I was visiting a place several hours away from where I live, uh, grew up, and uh, there was actually snow on the ground outside. It was in the mountains. Uh, not mountains where I live, <clears throat> but over there there was mountains. I remember thinking, if only I could go outside. It was, a, it was at a retreat, and it was like a worship service, and I remember thinking during that worship service, if only I could go outside and lay in the snow without a coat and pray to God, and just stay there in the snow without a coat praying to God, then perhaps God would accept me. There was another time that I thought, maybe if I went to China and served the people there, I could finally find God. What does Christ... Oh, yeah. But time and time again, Christ must teach us the lesson that you will not gain, you will not gain Christ... You will not gain God by doing some great thing. That's not how you gain Christ. Christ has already done the great thing for you. When Christ lived a perfect life, when he died for you on the cross, and when he rose from the dead, Christ has already done the great thing required by God. So what does Christ require of you? Just come down out of the tree. Come down to him quickly. And that's exactly what Jesus tells Zacchaeus to do in the third part. We've come to part three. The king seeks the traitor. Verse five says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus is up in his sycamore tree, and he actually gets a glimpse of Jesus, kind of further down the road, King Jesus. Jesus and the crowd, and they travel down the road or up the road in the direction of his tree. Jesus is getting closer and closer, and right when Jesus gets to the tree and then under the tree, he stops, and Jesus looks up. So far, as readers, Luke has had us behold a Zacchaeus. We've looked at Zacchaeus. And then we've seen Zacchaeus looking at Jesus. But now we're looking, we see Jesus look at Zacchaeus. And not only that, but Jesus calls Zacchaeus by his name. Zacchaeus previously did not know who Jesus was. But Jesus knew Zacchaeus. and Jesus tells Zacchaeus to hurry down the tree. Zacchaeus has been hurrying already, hasn't he? He was running before Jesus got to the tree, and now he's in the tree, and now Jesus wants to, him to keep hurrying down. And so do you see how all of this is one course, one track? It's all, it's all together, all this rushing from Zacchaeus, quick, get up the tree, quick, get down, Finally, notice that Jesus tells Zacchaeus, I must eat in your I must stay at your house today. Why does Jesus say I must stay at your house today? Because Jesus as a prophet he knows that this is God's will. And Luke records all these details in this way to show us that Zacchaeus might have thought that he was seeking Jesus but it was actually Jesus who was seeking Zacchaeus. Why is that important? It matters because left to themselves, a sinner will never seek God. It will never happen. That's the definition of a sinner. A sinner is not going to seek God. Sinners are dead in their sins and their trespasses. They're dead. Dead people don't seek anybody. Especially a rich sinner like Zacchaeus. In the book of Luke, we see that the rich have a much harder time following Jesus. Listen to the story that, listen to what happened also in chapter 18, the previous chapter. Chapter 18, verse 24 to 26, um, a rich man came, and he, he asked Jesus how he can inherit eternal life, and Jesus answered him. And then the rich man, he got sad, and he turned away. And Jesus, in verse 24, says, Jesus, seeing that the rich man had become sad, wait, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Everybody knows what a needle is, right? The needle that you sew with, it has a, it's a small metal thing that has a little hole in it. and You've got to put, you put the thread through that little hole. And so I don't know if you all have seen a camel before. Some of our kids are studying biology, but a camel is huge. A camel is not going to fit through the eye of a needle. And so what is Jesus saying? It's not going to happen. A sinner on his own is not going to repent. Is not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. A rich sinner, especially. And so those who heard Jesus say that, they said, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? But Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. God can do it. the rich man left on his own. It's utterly impossible for him to enter the kingdom of God, but what is impossible with man is possible with God. And that's exactly what we are seeing with Zacchaeus, isn't it? A chief tax collector who is wealthy. God is using his eternal power to save this rich sinner, to do the impossible. Left to ourselves, no one will repent and follow Jesus. It's impossible. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. Church, this has huge implications for your evangelism. If you know the salvation of Christ, then you will want to share the salvation of Christ with those around you. You want to share this good news with those around you. But these people are not going to respond. They're not going to accept Christ. They're not going to believe. Unless God works a miracle, it's impossible for them to believe. It's not going to happen. Unless God moves, unless God does this. And so that means as an evangelist, as a Christian, you need to be praying and asking God to do this miracle. In James, it says, you have not because you ask not. Meaning we don't have the things that we desire because we're not praying, we're not asking God for them. And so for our evangelism, for our sharing gospel, for people's salvation, we must be praying, we must be asking God for Him to do this work. As a church, WSBC, most evenings, Sunday evenings, we have a prayer service. And one of the purposes of that time is so that we can pray by name for individuals that we are sharing the gospel with. So please take advantage of Sunday evenings. Come and bring the names of the people that you're trying to share the gospel with so that you can utilize the opportunity to enlist the members in praying for the people you're sharing with. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Okay, so we've come to the fourth and the last part of the story. The king saves the traitor. The king saves the traitor. In verse 6, we see Zacchaeus hurry down the tree. It says, he came down and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus has found what he's looking for, and he's overjoyed. But the joy of Zacchaeus is quickly contrasted by the grumbling of all the crowd around him. He's happy. They are very unhappy. They are angry. And here's what they said. They said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner, So why are they angry? They're angry because they're misinterpreting the situation. We do this often as humans. First of all, they are wrong about themselves, aren't they? They honestly believe that they are much different than Zacchaeus. They fail to see their own disobedience to God. Their pride has blinded them to their sin. And second, they're wrong about Jesus. They think that Jesus has come to bring material blessing and prosperity back to their nation. They believe that Jesus is supposed to do this by first declaring war on Rome and then war on Romans' tax collector minions. So they grumble and they complain. And they might have missed what happens next what Zacchaeus says. Zacchaeus, the man who for money, he sold out his own people. Zacchaeus is now about to give his money away, half of his money. He says, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. You know, it's kind of interesting. Why doesn't he give all of his money away? Well, because he's been defrauding people. He's been cheating people out of their money. So he gives half of it away. And he has to save the other fourth or the other half so that he can give fourfold back to the people who he has defrauded. He is wronged. Jesus, in chapter 16 of Luke, he said this. He said, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other; you cannot serve God and money and Here with Zacchaeus, we see that his allegiance his allegiance has changed from money from serving money to serving Jesus. King Jesus has not kicked the Romans out of Israel; any great king could kick the Romans out of Israel. Jesus has done something greater. He's kicked the sin out of the sinner. And so Jesus responds to the grumbling crowd of self-righteous sinners. He says in verse nine, "Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham." And what he means here is that Zacchaeus, though he has become, a, though he was a traitor, he's still a son of Abraham. He's an Israelite. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come to punish him. I came to seek him and to save him. So, church, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, then you need to know Jesus' purpose. Jesus did not come so that you could live your best life now. Jesus did not come to bring you health, wealth, and prosperity in this life. You might get sick and you might stay sick for the rest of your life as a Christian. It may even be God's will for you to be poor financially for the rest of your life. Or for me to be poor. It may be that it may be God's will that your work endeavors don't work out. You might get fired from your job and fired from the next job. That might be in the sovereign will of God. And I don't say these things to minimize the sufferings that you experience in your sickness or in, your, in poverty or in failure. These are sometimes deep and painful suffering, so deep and so painful that they can't be described with our words. And yet Jesus did not come to end our suffering in this life. That's not why he came. Jesus came, and he actually entered into our suffering himself. He experienced the greatest temptation. He experienced the shame of abuse. He experienced injustices from those around him, and he ultimately experienced a painful physical death. He entered into suffering. And he persevered in all of these things because he had a dream. It wasn't the American dream or the Chinese dream, it was much bigger than that. Jesus' dream was to seek and to save the lost, that sinners could be saved not just in this life, but for eternity that redeemed sinners could enjoy Jesus and the glory of his kingdom forever. And we can't allow ourselves to get over this. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. One way to help ourselves remember Jesus' mission is to join him in his mission. And one way that you can do that, seek and save the lost, is simply to invite your non-Christian friends to church. And this also means that the rest of you need to be looking for non-Christians at church who might be coming for the first time. It's really important to fellowship with other members, but we can't allow ourselves to neglect Jesus' mission. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Go and do likewise. We must conclude. I began the sermon today talking about how disappointed we were with three-month-old year James, three-month-old James. He didn't cook, he didn't play soccer, or he didn't crack any jokes. Um, But that's actually not really what happened that day. That day was actually one of the highlights of our month. We had so much fun with baby James because he is so cute, so huggable, and so full of surprises. And we enjoyed James because we had appropriate, proper expectations for him. In the same way, Jesus, well, in the same way, Jesus is also enjoyable. Did you see his grace in the passage today? Have you experienced Jesus' grace towards you and your sin? Did you see Jesus' power today to kick the sin out of the sinner, to save the rich man with the power of God who could never save himself. That's the power of Jesus. Have you experienced the power of Jesus to conquer your heart? My prayer for all of us is that we learn more of who Jesus is, that we always remember his mission to seek the, to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled by you. Lord, we are humbled by your salvation that you have sought us and you have saved us through the power of Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection. Lord, thank you that you are still working to seek and save the lost. That you have saved us and you are still saving us and you will save us. Lord, please help us to know this good news and to live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.